And away we go, hour two on a great day for talk radio. A lot of developments. This Yorkdale shooting, by the way, will be updated at 5.30. Toronto Police Service Superintendent Rob Johnson will address the media relating to the firearm discharge at the parking lot on the north side of Yorkdale Shopping Centre. That's at 5.30, as I say, and uh, so we'll have further word as to what is taking place. But the mall's in lockdown again, and the subway is not stopping at Yorkdale Station. Uh, Many people who heard it, uh, obviously, you know, when you get into the hot whips of panic and everybody's, you know, not really clear on what's taking place. You can understand that uh, they're heading for the exits, uh, taking cover, you know, cowering in stores, not in a bad way, obviously, again, when you don't know. And we've had incidents where uh, people have been indiscriminately shot at. Uh, What the heck are you to surmise, you know, in that moment's notice, without notice. So, uh, again, that's a file we're following, and uh, we'll get to it. We'll get to our panel here shortly as well, topics worthy of discussion, of which there are many, uh, and whether or not, uh, this court battle that's shaping up between the province and the city of Toronto, uh, having to do with Bill 5, where the province decided we're uh, going to see fewer councillors come the election in October, and uh, some people are not going quietly, needless to say, they're contesting it. And uh, we'll talk to uh, that issue where, you know, it seems to me that this is almost a slam dunk. It's uh, But what's interesting is this development that the courts would be uh, interceding, whereas the legislative body, you know, which I thought makes the laws and uh, has the prerogative, not necessarily so. And that seems to have uh, raised its head as well with the national energy policy uh, insofar as Kinder Morgan being scuttled by the Court of Appeal, too. Interesting. If you believe that the court should have that kind of power over the legislative branch, well, it will drill down on it with our panel here and topics worthy of discussion. We've got a government that right now, I guess they need a victory of sorts, and the NAFTA negotiations taking place are uh, in the 11th hour. If you're to believe, believe the timeline of Friday, Donald Trump's imposed deadline to get something done. Otherwise, he'll move forward and impose tariffs on our autos. Uh, that's not a good development. Now, earlier in the last hour, we heard from Martha Hall Finley, uh, who has a think tank. It's called the Canada West Foundation. And she says for umpteen years now, they've been advocating to drop supply management. And certainly, if that's the bargaining chip that's necessary uh, with the Americans to protect our auto industry, it's not only a trade-off she'd be willing to see. She just thinks, uh, in general, on uh, economic grounds, this is something that ought to be scuttled uh, as soon as we can. And this is that propitious moment to do so. She believes it just makes better sense for the consumer, and it's an outmoded system. However, on the other side of that ledger... Uh, We have the president of the Ontario Federation of Agriculture, Keith Curry, uh, who's written a piece, Where Does Canada Go From Here in NAFTA Negotiations? And he said a trade deal without supply management is a deal breaker for Canadian agriculture. Let's find out what he means and why he can defend the the, uh, status quo. Keith Curry, good to have you on the Oakley Show. Good afternoon. Oh, thanks for having me, John. Good to be here. Yeah, I was just citing that Martha Hall Finley last hour was saying, got to get rid of supply management. It's, uh, you know well past its best before date and uh it doesn't do the consumer any good it doesn't really do much for the farmer uh or at least it's discriminatory because uh beef and barley farmers uh they don't get the same shake so tell me why you're so much of a, a proponent to keep supply management and call it a deal breaker for canadian agriculture 
Well, supply management certainly is very unique in, in that Canada is the only country left with a with a supply managed system. And the reality is, when you dig down into the numbers of what supply management offers, uh, it, it really is a no brainer. It does not cost the public anything. This is a this is a system in which we control the amount of produce we we make in that each commodity. Uh, it's a set price. The price to, uh, the cost of production is built into that formula. So not only do, does the consumer get a very uh, uh, cost-effective product, but there's a return, guaranteed return to the producer uh, for that product. And, you know, we talk about trading it off for the for the auto industry's sake, but when you look at the numbers, the GDP from just the dairy industry alone in Canada is about $20 billion annually. Uh, that's right about where auto is. So we throw in the other other uh, supply management commodities. Uh, you, you're talking some pretty big numbers there, and, and the reality is uh, it, agriculture is bigger than four wheels. It has been in Ontario for some time now, and it is right across the country. And so I'm not saying throw out the auto pack of the auto industry either. Uh, but let's look at this realistically. And, and the bottom line for all this is we're net importers uh, of, of supply managed goods, in, and in particular dairy into this country. Some $600 million in surplus of product coming into the country from the U.S. each and every year. So it's not like we're shortchanging anybody. All right. when, when you say net importers versus exporters. Yeah. So, uh, okay. so we're not exporting a lot because we have a supply that's being managed. Exactly. We only produce what we what we consume. Well, all right. Some people would say maybe there's a better uh, model that allows us to export if we can build a better product or grow a better product or harvest a better product for a better price, uh, to use the axiom. Uh, wouldn't that stand us in good stead? Some farmers would thrive by having access to the American market. Uh, there is no American market. The, the reality is uh, the American system is based on a world market price. There is a huge glut of uh, dairy products in particular on the world market, which is the reason why the world price is so low. And for U.S. farmers, they actually, the, the folks in the dairy industry are actually advocating for some kind of controlled system, which would see uh, more of a guaranteed return back into their pockets. Uh, you know, countries around the world are dumping milk onto the world market, which is driving the, the price down. And and their answers, the U.S. answers, dairy farmer answers to this is just add more cows. Well, the reality is it still costs you X amount of dollars uh, to produce that liter of milk. And if you're selling it for less than what you're producing it, you can't win. So for our farmers to have to jump into the market, we're very efficient. We're very, uh, very productive, um, you know, but... But you want to stifle competition, though. That's the point. What, well, the reality is, if we had no production in this country whatsoever, we still couldn't consume the American overproduction. So it's not going to fix the price. It's it's only going to make uh, things a lot worse for the people that are involved in those in those markets right now. But when you hear people say, "Well, we're paying three times what we could be for milk," for example, as a staple, and certainly uh, you know the poor are impacted by that more so than anybody else. Uh, how can we continue to justify supply management? Well, you have to question who they are that are saying it, because the reality is for years now we've done comparative prices between south of the border and here, and the retail price is very comparable. The difference is the farm gate price is different. The farmers in the U.S. are not getting paid very high for their product, and they're, they're suffering for it. Drive through anywhere in rural America, and you'll see how, how well they're not doing. Uh, but on a, on a comparable price, uh, we're right in line with where their retail prices are for our supply-managed commodities.
Well, and you talked earlier about a guaranteed return. So this is protecting the farmers. And Martha Hall Finley was quick to point out that this is a privileged class, the dairy farmers, uh, but they're a small percentage of the overall GDP. And therefore, it's not as significant a deal as uh, perhaps it's being positioned as. And maybe we need to have that conversation with Martha Hall Finley so that she understands what the actual real numbers are. She's been advocating for years and years to get rid of supply management. So I'm not, I'm not surprised that she's come out with that stance and this think tank she's involved with are, are you know, uh, advocating for, the, for, the, for getting rid of supply management. But it won't make things better here in Canada. Uh, that competitive advantage uh, isn't, just isn't there like people seem to think it is. Again, with Keith Curry, the president of the Ontario Federation of Agriculture. In this deal, this bilateral agreement in principle cobbled together earlier with Mexico and the U.S., I noticed whiskey and tequila are recognized as distinctive products with no market restrictions to the U.S. from Mexico. What about Canadian rye whiskey? Could we not get some kind of a deal as well where we're exempt on any kind of tariffs and things like that? Well, we can all we can always hope for that for sure. I mean, there's a, a huge amount of whiskey production right here in the province of Ontario, and uh, you don't have to go uh, too far down into the U.S. to see that our products are on their shelves everywhere. So certainly that would be something we're advocating for. There's a lot of uh, production of corn acres in this province that go into into the production of spirits and whiskey in particular, and so we would certainly be happy to see that. But you know, what are we going to have to give up in return? Well, okay, because I know you say further on in your piece that you know any of these bilateral agreements, uh, it's too complex uh, that we'd have multiple bilateral agreements. It'd be confusing and costly. But uh, why not be able to uh, maybe have certain sectors or subsectors uh, that we have agreements on? Yeah, there's no reason why we can't at least uh, explore those avenues. Uh, but when you're talking mainstream products, uh, to have bilateral agreements with a number of different countries, it makes it more complex depending on how those agreements look for our producers that are producing those commodities. So, you know, by having a North American uh, agreement, and by the way, I mean, that's that's our, our, where the bulk of our, our uh, exporter products go to is pr- primarily the U.S., but also to Mexico, but so by streamlining uh, how we how we do those exports, it makes it easier for the production of those products here to, to be streamlined as well. Okay, because, you know, I've heard people say it's not necessary that one size fits all. You can kind of, uh, you know, work your way around with a patchwork quilt of agreements. Uh, you're saying, though, that's unwieldy, confusing, and costly. We're going to have to wait and see. I mean, are you optimistic, or do you see uh, that there's maybe some pressure being brought to a head here that supply management is going to fall by the boards? Yeah, there's a lot of posturing on both sides, and the reality is what happens behind the closed doors is what's important. And, you know, Steve Hall is our, is our chief negotiator for agriculture, and he's been there for many, many years during uh, trade deal negotiations. The man knows what he's doing, and, uh, you know, we have, we have a lot of confidence that he's going he's gonna to do the same in, in this. And, and, you know, it's, not, it's a long way from being done, despite, you know, the, the announcement of the agreement with Mexico. The U.S. hasn't ratified that yet and probably won't for another four to six months, and depending what happens, with the with the midterms, uh, things could change in that agreement as well. So uh, I'm confident in the team that's negotiating for us that, that they'll get the right deal for Canadian agriculture and, and Canadian products in general. And uh, let's just let's just hold tight. Uh, I did. I had the pleasure of touring through a number of Great Lakes states uh, about a year ago, and uh, those folks on the ground there they want the same thing we do. Bring. Bring this agreement in 2018, but let's not throw the baby out with the bathwater here. All right. Well, we should know imminently. I appreciate your weighing in as well. Uh, as a counterpoint, if nothing else, to Martha Hall Finley in the previous hour, Keith Curry, president of the Ontario Federation of Agriculture. Thank you. Thanks, John.